Hello, I am the host of Shifting Culture, Joshua Johnson. I just want to come on before the episode and tell you all thank you for listening. Did you know that big things are coming for Shifting Culture and you can be a part of it? We have just launched a Patreon. When you become a monthly patron to the show, you will get our episode ad-free, get early access to episodes, be able to download episode guides, and get bonus shows. Go to patreon.com slash shifting culture to support all that we are doing. Your support means that we can continue to help the body of Christ look more like Jesus. Again, go to patreon.com slash shifting culture. Thank you so much. Now, on to the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Shifting Culture Podcast, in which we have conversations about the culture we create and the impact we can make. I'm your host, Joshua Johnson. Go to shiftingculturepodcast.com to interact or donate. And don't forget to hit the follow button to be the first to be notified when new episodes are released. And if you're enjoying the show, let your friends and network know about it. Tell them all about the good episodes that you have listened to. Previous guests on the show have included Craig Westoff, David Blackwell, and Alex Absalom. You could go back, listen to those episodes, and more. But today's guest is Brian Heasley. Brian serves as 24-7 Prayer's International Prayer Director, traveling extensively around the globe, inspiring and teaching on prayer and mission. Brian is the author of Be Still, A Simple Guide to Quiet Times, and has previously written Gate Crashing. Brian and I have a really good conversation around prayer and mission and gives practical ideas and stories on how to engage in both a daily time with God and working out your faith in community. It's a great listen. Here's Brian. Brian, welcome to the podcast. It's uh, great to have you. So thank you. Hey, Joshua. Lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, thanks for getting up early for this. <laughs> yeah, it's not too early. It's good. We actually have a, a missions uh, training uh, at the moment. And so my wife is over teaching uh, and I'm here uh, getting to talk to you, which is a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we do in our missions training are we have ability based outcomes. And our number one ability is actually to abide with Jesus. It's a it's a necessary uh, thing to be able to go out on mission um, and to be mm -hmm. in the world is we have to have that inner life with with Jesus to do how where where did that start with you um and where did your faith actually become real in your life where you had this this inner life with jesus and a life of adventure with him uh mm -hmm. in the wilderness well interesting it's it, it probably began as uh in a way it was modeled by my parents because i grew up in a christian home mm -hmm. And both my parents were very de devout believers. And we I'm, I'm from Ireland originally, although I have an Ar uh, English accent. But uh, <laughs> And my, my father was pastor of a church, and they moved from Ireland to England. But I think from an early age, I always remembered that sense of they, they prayed. You know, mm -hmm. they always prayed. We prayed yeah. before we went to bed. We prayed before meals. You know, I'd often see my father or my mother praying in the morning when I was young. And... Uh, 
uh, I probably it probably didn't register with me just how much of a bedrock that was to their faith. But when we moved to England, my my mother was very quickly diagnosed with ovarian cancer. So she mm-hmm. she passed away when I was eleven, and and at that point, I went on a bit of a journey with my young undeveloped faith that yeah. that took about nine years of various things happening i.e homelessness drug mm. use drug abuse uh a few visits to prison you know all of that i i, I didn't cope particularly well with my yeah. mother's death i i struggled quite 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 a lot with that mm. actually and it was only when i was about uh when i was 20 i was in a probation hostel which is a kind of a, a halfway house where they yeah send you for rehabilitation and whilst in that probation hostel someone gave me a bible and i just god if you're real you know could you save me could you come into my life could you transform this situation Hmm. and it was at that point i opened the bible on isaiah 59 which says surely the arm of the lord is not too short to save nor (laughs) is his ear too dull to hear and at this moment of actual i probably could only describe it as the presence of God in the room and a real sense that God is here and he, his arm could reach in and save me. And also he hears me. So, uh, and I gave my life to him. I I remember kneeling, sobbing, kneeling on the end Mm. of my bed saying, I give you my life. And I had a real, one of the, I think the earliest recollections of probably what almost felt like the audible voice of God was, I remember this sense of for how long, Brian, will you give me your life? Hmm. And I, I said, I'll give you all of my life. I'll give you the rest of my life. Wow. And I, I met with Jesus there. And I think that's probably hmm. primarily where my passion for prayer and where my passion for speaking to God, because I believe in an interventionist God. Yeah. I believe in the power of the Savior and the power of a God that will reach in and transform our lives. And then hmm. I went, I went from there to a Christian community, you know, just a church based yeah. where I'm living now. And and a couple in the church welcomed me into their home with their family. And mm-hmm. I, I lived I lived with them for about a year whilst I became normal. And <laughs> they, taught, they taught me how to argue properly and they taught me how to cook or iron and, you know, all the kind of yeah. things that you need to know to survive <laughs> in life. And uh, I think they, they brought me into church. So not only are my two great passions, one is prayer. Yeah. The other is the redemptive power of community mm. that, that actually our faith can only really be outworked in, in the body of Christ, which is yeah. the church. Yeah. So, I, so I'm passionate for, for both. I'm passionate for the presence of God and for mm. the, 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 untold riches we find in connecting with him but i'm also passionate for the people of god mm, and yeah. the untold wisdom we learn from them as we connect mm. one with another so so i i and i i guess from then on i had this kind of passion for uh prayer passion for a quiet time passion for church i i served as a children's worker then a youth worker and eventually became the senior pastor of the church that i joined uh from prison effectively so they they obviously saw something in me and believed in me which was amazing and also of course i met my wife at that time and uh she believed in me which always helps yeah you have a a good woman behind you (laughs) that's true so what does that 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 look like you have community that believes in you and you're actually 
the outworking of Jesus here, the embodiment of Jesus uh, in that space. What does that look like for you, that presence of God, that, that abiding and the community? What's the interplay and the interchange between those two and how do they both inform each other? Oh, I, I think the, the, there's the aspect of all our faiths that are our faiths that are both personal and corporate. Yeah. And so I learned I learned very, very quickly that corporate was good, but I couldn't survive on one big meal a week. You know, yes. that I needed I needed to eat regularly. So so I the, the personal is as important. Mm. You know, we need the times of feasting and celebration and you know hey, I'm not alone, I'm with a load of other people, but we also need to develop a rhythm of our own personal devotional life. And I I have wondered over the years, Joshua, whether we have put a lot of emphasis on the meeting. For years, we've said church is not the building, but I do wonder sometimes if we think church is the meeting because we say, (laughs) I'm going to church. Did you go to church? I'll see you at church, you know, and, and it, yeah. it's, only, it's only language, but it's an important uh, distinction that we need to make that, you know, I, I am church on Monday. How yeah. do I be church? You know, how do I survive? And, and almost all of this kind of over-reliance on meetings and underdevelopment of our personal mm. devotional lives, I think was highlighted quite strongly during the recent pandemic. Yes, you know, definitely. So. But so it outworks. I think it outworks. It's a for me the personal and the corporate is a balanced diet, mm. which enables us to grow and be nourished. And I love what you're talking about abiding in Jesus. That yeah. that sense of abiding is the is the the grafted on or the you know it's it's taking the nutrients. It's actually yeah. you know feeding on. And if we're going to feed on Christ, as it were, we're going to feed on the yeah. Holy Spirit. We need we need both the 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 personal devotional but we need the corporate so yeah that's that's how i think i see it working most yeah i think that's beautiful john 15 you know the the vine of the branches when jesus is talking about abide in me um you know what i love there is that it says if you abide in my love you will obey my commands and if you obey my commands you'll abide in my love and so it's this love and obedience this this going into getting the nutrients, breathing things in, and then breathing out in community yes. and in the world that actually fuels both sides. And I love that. It's almost a reciprocal circle of, yeah. you know, in and out abiding. So, you know, I, I think we see that as well. If you were to read uh, Psalm 1, where it talks about, you know, he is like a tr- uh, blessed is he who meditates on the Lord day yeah. and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of living water. So I, I, I love that. And it says that yields its fruit in its yeah. season. And if you look at the Septuagint, that the Greek word for fruit there is karpos. Mm. And then, and, and then in, in Matthew, I think Matthew 7, that our Lord talks about by their fruit you will recognize the same word carpos and then yeah. paul in galatians 5 you know talks about the fruit same word carpos mm. of the spirit you know and about love gentleness peace you know against such things there is no law and i think there's this almost direct correlation between meditating on the word day and night yeah that that, that grows fruit in our lives and people recognize us by our fruit and the fruit is you know gentleness goodness self-control all those things that paul talks about and and i, I think probably we 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 uh protestants occasionally freak out at the word meditate 
<laughs> you know, so, oh, meditate. I don't want to get yeah. caught up in some Eastern mysticism. I don't want to go all new age. But but actually the word meditate is a biblical one that I think we yeah. need to claim. It's about, it is about, uh, it actually comes from the same Greek word that when a cow chews its its food, it it's called mm. masticate. Yeah. And, and that's about getting all the nutrients out mm. of the grass. That's why a cow has four stomachs four compartments mm. within its stomach so it gets all the nutrients out and so if we're abiding in christ we 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 we're we're, we're we, we are we we receive nutrition yeah. from him but part of that is meditating on the word and and if the word is you know in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god if the mm. word is christ yeah. you know abiding and meditating on him mm. we, we end up almost displaying this fruitful life that people see something that's different about us sorry mm. that was a sidetrack there <laughs> no it's but. a good sidetrack because so what is that difference between that eastern mysticism the meditation uh and and christian med meditation uh is there a a difference yeah. what is what does that look like I, I would I would feel that the, the, the primary and I, I'm oversimplifying it but the yeah. primary difference is that that most eastern meditation is about emptying our minds mm -hmm. Okay, so and it's about like it's, it's emptying, yeah. and whereas biblical meditation is about filling our minds. Yeah. So I meditate on the work. So I do that by memorizing scripture, by allowing it to roll around inside yeah. my head. By so it's it's more about meditate. See Isaac, it says in meditated, he was meditating on the Lord. You know, yeah. when it when his uh, servant comes back with his wife. So it's it's not something that's uh, unbeknownst to biblical thinking. It's yep. just we, we get freaked out by the word meditate, but it is <laughs> filling our minds. Yeah, you know, with the word of God, filling our minds with you know. It says, "I have hidden your word in my heart." Mm. You know, to hide His word in our heart. I I believe we need to meditate on it to meditate in many ways is like sucking a sweet where we yeah. get all we allow all the flavor of the sweet to come out whereas i think sometimes on a sunday morning i crunch the sweet really quickly and then i move on to the next sweet and you know it's whereas meditating is getting the full flavor of the text and allowing it to permeate your your being so so for me i'm a big fan of memorizing the bible as well i'm yeah. not, it's not my soul way of meditating but it is probably the, the best way for me would be to I, i'll read a scripture and i'll read it again and i'll read yeah. it again and i'll read it again and i'll allow it so for me that would probably be my primary source of meditation would be on this the, the word of god mm. you know, as, as encouraged by the psalmist when when you uh are having a a really hard and difficult time in your life and you you know you feel like you're getting off track are there any examples from your life where scripture has come to your mind and has set you back to a place of being aligned back with God's thoughts? I think I think when we look in uh, when we look in the Gospels and Jesus tells the disciples, uh, "Let us go to the other side." He speaks. He said, "Let's yeah. go to the other side," and they get out into the middle of the of the, the Sea of Galilee, and there's a storm, and he gets up and he rebukes the disciples. You know, and yeah. I've often wondered why that was because you know they were the prophetic they knew it was dangerous he was just a carpenter you know they were the sailors all of that but he's rebuking them i feel because they didn't listen to his words mm. which were we'll go into the other side so i i believe that all christians we need verses for the storm yeah you know we need to have these things so that when the storm comes that we 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 have the verses that sustain us and you'll need more than one so if if i'm getting you know uh 
anxious, I, 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 I remember the verses about peace. I memorize them. I allow them to speak into my mm. life. When we initially moved as missionaries to, to Spain, we, we, we lived on financial support. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that can be challenging <laughs> at times with, you know, we, we, we didn't, we never had enough. And so often there'd be, you know, why we'd, we'd worry. And yeah. so, but then that's a storm. So yeah. the verses about why worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worries for itself it would would that would be the verse that we would use in the storm. Mm. You know, so I so I think you know when my mother died I remember my father standing up and quoting Romans eight verse twenty eight which says you know we, we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and work according to His purposes. That was his verse. Yeah. For that specific storm. I personally, over the years, I think we've, I've struggled with sleep, you know, and not anymore, but I used to, and, and so in Psalm 127, it says, the Lord grants sleep to those he loves. Now, if you're not getting sleep right now, it's not because God doesn't love you, yeah. but it is, but I was like, Lord, I'm going to meditate on this scripture when I go to bed, that you grant sleep to those you love, and I'm going to mm. bask in your love and allow you to grant me sleep. So, so that, that, that's actually been incredibly helpful for me personally you know mm. as, as a leader and because i travel a lot you know yeah. you know like time zones yeah. all of that uh, i we flew back from australia once and we were in economy uh, at the back and i was this a 22-hour flight and i was stuck in the middle row my wife was by the window asleep she's much smaller than i so it's easier for yeah. her and i just remember thinking about that bible verse and, and like i had nine hours of solid sleep just wow. sitting like this which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. and so I've, 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 the Lord has given me the ability to sleep on planes, which is uh, for me, it works. But I know that that's a trivial example, but there are more, there are like the Romans, a much deeper one for my father. So yeah. I think we just, we need them, you know, if we don't know the word, yeah. how can we use the word? You know, it says, doesn't it? So I've hidden your word in my heart. Mm. Nowadays, you know, when you say to people, Get your Bibles out. Everyone gets a phone out. Don't, you know, yeah. it's on, I'm, and I'm not against technology or phones, but sometimes we've hidden God's word on our phones and it's not in our heart because we know if we want a verse on peace, we just put peace in the search facility and all these verses come up. But it, it's not hidden in our heart. It's hidden on our device. Mm. So I, I think I'd like, probably it's a bit old school, but I'd like to get back to hiding God's word in our hearts so that when mm. storms come, yeah, you know, we, we can deal with it. Yeah. And then what does that look like as you you go out as, you know, a missionary to Spain, you were, you know, on the island of Ibiza when you have uh, scripture hidden in your heart? Um, how does that uh, impact the way that you interact with the community around you that you're trying to, to reach? Well, we would we practice the rhythm of one hour in the prayer room and one hour out on the streets. So that's how it worked. Ibiza in Spain at that time was known as a modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> there were more pubs, clubs and bars per square mile in San Antonio, where we were based, than anywhere else in all of Europe. Wow. And it was like spring break, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> but yeah. like 169 evenings of spring break one after the other through the summer season wow. blue collar workers young people from all over europe pile into ibiza to party to do drugs to you know yeah. have sexual experiences all of that kind of stuff it's crazy it's crazy and so we were right in the middle of that 
Mm. And so we needed the word of God in our hearts to yeah. be able to walk around. I mean, for instance, one night my wife was out and we'd been, we'd, we'd, we had these little message versions of the Bible, which we gave to people, Eugene Peterson's message version. Yeah. And, and they loved it. People loved it because they could understand it. And, and we live in a post-Christian culture. So that they had no understanding of the Bible whatsoever. Yeah. And, and one night my wife was out and in John 3, 16, John 3, 17 in the message says, I didn't go to all the trouble, all the trouble of sending my son in order to, to point the finger. You know, so mm, I didn't come to, point, right. to, condemn, to point the finger. Yeah. And just the phrasing in the message was lovely. Mm. And then my, my wife had been praying and she uh, she was she had this verse and, and ended up on the street and she met this young lady and this young lady had got pregnant when she was 17 and she had been asked to leave the church because she was pregnant. And she, and she was like, you know, racked with guilt, racked with, you know, condemnation. She'd chosen to keep the baby, you know, and it loved the young boy that she had, who was now yeah. old. And, but she was just said, I can't go to church because, and, and because Tracy had been meditating on that word that John, you know, three seventeen, God didn't go to all the business sending his son to point the finger. Yeah. She just shared it with this girl. And all of a sudden it just unlocks everything. You know, the, the word of God unlocks everything. This girl mm-hmm. who, who for years had lived with a sense that the church condemned her for, a, for, a, for a, you know, a, something that she did wrong yeah. that had consequences. Uh, but instead of finding love mm-hmm. acceptance, she had the finger pointed at her. Yeah. And for someone then to give a, a Bible verse to her, it said, God doesn't point the finger at you. He loves you. He doesn't judge you. He, <laughs> he, he you know, it was, was a beautiful moment. So I do think if we have it hidden in our hearts, yeah. it comes out in, in, in we, it's about sensitivity as well. You know, yeah. we need to be sensitive to the spirit. Yeah. So how did that uh, hour in the prayer room, how did the prayer room uh, inform, you know, one of the things that as I'm sending missionaries around the world and we're trying to to establish something um, where Jesus is not yet known, mm-hmm. one of the things I, I know is the prayer, extraordinary prayer and abundant prayer is absolutely necessary and key, but we don't always have that resource mm-hmm. there. Um, but you had a, that resource of a prayer room as well. Yeah. Um, so how did that help um, and what happened in the prayer room that actually helped you on the street? Well, I think most missions organizations are full of activists and yes. activists <laughs> don't always like contemplation. That's correct. I believe that the Lord is calling the church and missionaries to be contemplative activists, to mm. both be prayerful and missional to live in a place of hearing God, but, and also a place of acting. So for us, the prayer room, the, the hour in the prayer room was often very frustrating for some of the guys who just wanted to get out on the street, yeah. do the stuff. You know, I want to do the stuff. I want to get out there and I want to read Then What are we, this is pointless. Why don't we get some people to pray whilst we go out and do it? And I, and we, we would be very much, we, we didn't let that happen. Everybody had to do their hour in the prayer room, hour on the street, very healthy. We yeah. would pray, we would pray for the town. We would pray for the place that we were based. We would ask the Lord to speak to us. We would mm-hmm. sing worship songs. We would read Bible verses. An hour would soon f- fly by, you know. And and so so we ended up in this in this situation of breathing in. So you yeah. breathe God in. And then it almost felt like when we were out on the street, we were breathing out. And so for me, the, the contemplative activist is both one that breathes in and mm-hmm. breathes out. That any mission organization I've seen around the world that is healthy yeah. tends to have a rhythm that is both one of breathing in 
and breathing out. Actually, any church or any Christian you see that's healthy, they tend to have this this lifestyle that is one of deep devotion and connectedness Mm. with God, but deep desire to carry Christ to the world around them. So, so when we see both, that that's when it really works. I think it's a bit like as well, Joshua. I think it's like the disciples when they spent time with Jesus, they got to understand His voice. Yeah. As when my mother died, as I told you earlier, my father. I've, I'm one of four brothers, yeah. so my father would take us to various people's homes for meals, mm. and and we would we would mess around. You know, we'd steal food from each other's plates and, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff as brothers. You just mess around at the dinner table. (laughs) And my father would often go, and it was his way of saying, if you don't stop doing that, when we get home, I'm going to tell you off, you know, you're going to get, and he was, and so you knew these little, which just meant Brian, don't steal a sausage from your brother's plate. You know, these little, (laughs) and so he did this a lot. And and in many ways, when we're in tune with the Lord, when we're spending time with Jesus, it's Mm. like, you know, Peter and John go up to gate beautiful at the the walk by many times. And it's almost like the Holy spirit goes, Mm. and because they've spent time with the Lord, they've been filled with the spirit. They recognize Mm. it and they stop and they go silver and gold. Have we none, but such as we have, we give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk because they live this responsive life that I think was born out of a presence Mm. and spirit filled life. So there was, there was the, 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 this too but it, it does require us to have our ears open as we travel through the world you know? yeah yeah and we have to be pretty intentional and have our ears open and there's a lot of times where you know i've had to make a practice you know i love to to go out put my air, earbuds in uh and listen to even listen to worship music or yeah. or listen to podcasts and listen to something um and i have to actually have an intentional practice to take them out so that i could interact with the people around me and actually be attuned to what God is doing in that place or else Mm -hmm. I'm just going to retreat in my own little sphere. Um, And so I have a tendency to do that. So I have to make that a practice, take my earbuds out, put them away and say, God, what are you doing here? Um, When when you listen to all the great missiologists, people like Bosch or Wright, and there's all these different guys that talk about mission. I uh, when I when I did my master's in mission, one of one of the things that they they said is that good mission work is is about being observant. And, you know, most times we it's about listening to the culture and it's about looking at the culture, you know, it's about being observant. And I think if we walk through the world that God has placed us with observance, you know, listening and looking, even smelling, understanding it all, (laughs) I think then God speaks to us. And you're right. I sometimes want to block the noise. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, I I just want to be on my own. (laughs) (laughs) but but i think uh, like the idea that that to really impact culture we have to understand culture and we'll only do that by listening listening both to the culture and to the strategies the divine strategies that come from the lord yeah yeah Mm. it's really important as you wrote uh the book be still Mm. um it's it's a great guide for us it's a very practical guide you know as we're we're looking at that personal thing what are there any uh any corporate, um, collective, contemplative practices that you have seen that have been really effective uh, for for groups, teams, or or churches together? Yeah, I think that the, the groups, teams, and churches all need to develop a culture of prayer. 
you know and so what what a lot of the time we have is we get we a lot of senior pastors outsource the prayer life of their church to someone else you know and so we need a cult any team that's being led any organization that you need a culture of prayer so corporately for me that looks like modeling it yeah. leaders who model it will will develop a, a, a so i want to you know you go to a, a church and they say how can we get the church to pray and you'll be like how often do you pray how often do you as leadership team meet to pray? Are all your prayer meetings five minutes before an event going, dear God, please bless us because we're just about to do this wonderful mm. thing. You know? yeah. How often actually do you as a team pray? So do you model it? And then for me, the, the second second part that is, do we teach it? So are we, are we teaching the team about prayer? Are yeah. we espousing, ex, you know, expanding, uh, getting them to understand, you know, the history of prayer, the, the place of prayer in the Bible, you know, David went and sat before the Lord, you know, Moses went up a mountain, a, you know, <laughs> so on and so forth. You know, that the, the Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. Do we teach this? This So, so you're mm -hmm. modeling it, you're teaching yeah. it. Then we do something interesting. I think you institutionalize prayer. I don't mean that in a wrong sense. I mean, we build rhythms into our churches and organizations that help mm -hmm. institutionalize. And you might need to refresh them or they become dead. Yeah. But we do something like every day at 12 noon, 24-7 prayer staff team. We say the Lord's Prayer together wherever we are. Mm. We, we into our uh, contracts, everybody gets a retreat day as part of their job. Once a month, you get mm. to go on a retreat. You know, so we, we try to, to institutionalize some stuff. Yeah. Into, you know, we have a, a prayer meeting, a regular time of prayer together. So that becomes an institution. And then the final part, I think, is that we, we celebrate. And I think that's where we've done well as a movement, 24-7 prayers. Yeah. We tell the story of answered prayer. I yeah. think it was Leonard Sweet who said the future belongs to the storytellers and the connectors. Mm. So we, we try desperately hard to communicate the story. So therefore, we celebrate answered mm. prayer. So yeah. for me, to see it working in teams, there's modeling it, teaching it, institutionalizing it and celebrating it mm -hmm. and then i think you get a healthy culture of prayer you can do that on a two-week mm -hmm. basis you can do that on a, a you know as yeah. a church leadership team i think that that's that for me would be a, a, a good mm -hmm. way to do it yeah i like that i love that as you're you're walking through those things and what what's what are some things that you're celebrating now as you've been traveling around and seeing what's what's happening what are some celebrations uh -huh. Well, we're, I, I'm celebrating quite a lot. I mean, last last week we found out that our Czech, in the Czech Republic, we have two prayer caravans that go, they go into different streets in the Czech Republic and they just sit there and they offer people to pray. Yeah. And they, they, they led two people to Jesus last week by just plopping a caravan down in the middle of town and offering, mm. you know, people to preach. In Switzerland, we have recently seen uh, the guys have been given a prayer bus. They've been in the bus. <laughs> so they're going to convert this bus into a prayer room and drive it around. So I'm, I'm celebrating that. The guys in uh, Colombia have recently run a prayer room during the elections. And then the guys in Peru have just planted a base in Peru, mm. uh, uh, in Cusco, which is just mm -hmm. below Machu Picchu. It's a big traveler center. Yeah. Uh, we'll just They've, they've just hosted a number of prayer rooms where they've started to see 
people coming and giving their lives to Jesus, broken mm. people turning up and asking that God would help them, alcoholics, mm. drug addicts showing up. We've also, re last month, this Monday, actually, we were given the keys to a homeless center in Ibiza in Spain as well. So I get <laughs> wow. to see a lot. I, yeah. the, the stuff in Malaysia, the stuff that's happening in Malaysia is phenomenal. I can't tell you it all because it's working with, you know, it's, it's some of it's working in the Muslim yeah. believer background. But we, we have a prayer thing going on now in, in, in Malaysia that's the most popular used newsletter for prayer in all of Malaysia. Wow. And then and then, Joshua, we're just we're constantly astounded at the fact that we just developed this app called Lectio 365, yeah. which just is being used all over the show. Hundreds of thousands of people around the world yeah. are using Lectio 365 to pray. And so recently just found out this week that we can translate that into Spanish. Hmm. So we're, we're going we're gonna to do Lectio 365 in Spanish and literally wow. got that. All of that signed off from a, a major donor yesterday. Wow. So it's it really exciting. So, so it's like it's like prayer for us in the last two or three years has gone through the roof. We would yeah. see about... 1,500 prayer rooms a year. That's 24-7 prayer mm -hmm. rooms in about 100 nations. In the last two years, we've seen over 3,500 each wow. year in about over 120 nations of the earth. So it, it, it seems like there's a hunger and a thirst, yep. a passion for prayer that mm -hmm. we've never seen before. Yeah, I think everybody's realized that their structures, their systems, they're yep. good, but they're not enough. Yeah. The, the only way we're really going to see breakthrough is, is, is through in, in consistent nonstop prayer. Yep. You know? so, yeah. Yeah. That's so exciting. It's exciting mm -hmm. what's happening around the world. It's exciting that people are saying we yeah. need prayer and we need to connect with God uh, in this way that it actually drives us uh, to mission. I love 24 seven prayer that it's not just prayer, but it's prayer and justice and mission yep. uh, because I think that's a healthy version of what, the prophetic function is right. Yeah. The, yeah. the inner life in the prayer room should drive us into justice mm -hmm. and that justice should drive us back into yeah. prayer. I mean, yeah. it needs to go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's the, the healthy holistic thing. Yeah. Um, so as you're looking at those, those prayer rooms around the world in 120 nations that you're looking at, what, what are some of those justice and mission initiatives that are birthed out of, prayer um and what does that look like um well i think it was uh it was bob pierce the founder of world vision who said lord break my heart with what breaks yours mm. and so inevitably whenever we start praying for wherever god has placed us and planted us he starts to break our heart for the least the last and the lost around yeah. us so we're at the minute we're seeing the the two centers that we now have in in ibiza they have a prayer room but they also have a food bank for homeless mm. people. They have yeah. washing facilities. They have a drop-in facility so people can come and sit and be calm and get their heads mm. together. So, so prayer in Ibiza right now looks like it's outworked through looking after a bunch of homeless guys. <laughs> prayer in South Africa, we have some friends who run a, a prayer organization in a township called Manenberg. Mm -hmm. Prayer, it looks like prayer walking. Whilst gangs are fighting and shooting and, you know, I was recently seeing some footage from our friends out there where there's just been an ongoing gun battle. Hmm. And so they are they've developed a place for uh, they've developed a place for people who are coming off heroin to come and live. And, hmm. and so so they start by praying, but it quickly morphs yeah. into action so we're seeing some really wonderful things happening in south africa at the minute yeah. and even in ireland you know some of the reconciliation 
and stuff that happens around the Catholic and Protestant thing, which mm. for years has been quite challenging. Yeah. We're, we're starting to see some real breakthroughs there as well. So it, it, it's endless. I think that mm. as long as you, it is, we, we, we always find we sit a bit weird with prayer organizations because I think they're very presence orientated. Yeah. I think it's good. Mm-hmm. You know, we are, but I think we, we, we think prayer and mission are inseparable. Yeah. Inseparable. Yeah. And, and mission and justice are inseparable. Yeah. You know, sometimes we mission, I think sometimes people think mission is just preaching the gospel. But, you know, we we, we, we communicate the love and the passion of Jesus by our works as well as yeah. by our words. Although mm-hmm. I don't I don't acquiesce to the uh, the fake St. Francis of Assisi quote, which says, you know, uh, preach the gospel at all times and if you have to use words because he didn't even he didn't even say that i i became a christian because of words you know yeah. people you know someone spoke to me and said do you want mm. this bible and gave it to me and i said yes please and took it and read you know so so i think we have to open our mouths we'd all yeah. love the the silent pilgrims running through the world and everyone just finding jesus because they looked at us but we do have to open our mouths but there is there is the the active part of our faith and yeah. faith without deeds is dead you know yeah. james says that uh, uh you know certain luther didn't like the fact that james said that actually luke martin mm. put that at the back of his bible because he felt it was about like faith and works and about mm. works getting you into heaven but i don't i don't save to get yeah. i don't do the works to get into heaven but because i'm saved i do the works because yeah. i've been extended mercy extended grace extended yeah. forgiveness I, it, it's only natural i go out and do that myself mm. so it's yeah you're part of a movement that is doing that and that that means that you're actually there's pockets of people that are really busy right they want to do the work um when everything converges and you have overwhelm like you are overwhelmed how do you how do you get that and carve that time to slow down in the midst of it so that you can be um set in with god Mm -hmm. i think it's it's quite interesting isn't it for like the average church pastor, if we phone them up and say, could I come and see you? They may say, actually, yeah, can you come and see me at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning or, you know, 11 yeah. o'clock because I've got a meeting. Uh, so I've, I've started, this is the simplest thing ever. I've started putting into my diary a meeting with Jesus. And so mm-hmm. my, my the PA who works with me, she will say, Brian's, he's sorry, can't see you then. He's in a meeting. But that's my quiet mm-hmm. time. You know, because yeah. and so I think we actually have to start being really uh, strategic mm. about carving out some of our yeah. quiet time in in our diary. But I also have worked out that that if I don't go to bed early, I don't get up early. You know, if I want to spend a quiet time with the Lord in the morning, I probably could just do like getting some sleep. You know, and as the SAS, a special air service in the UK, they say that sleep is a weapon. And I actually think one of the biggest hindrances to people's lives is the distractions that we have that keep us awake. Yeah. You know, I get into bed and before you know, I'm watching funny videos on YouTube of, <laughs> of people, you know, falling off rope bridges or whatever, you know, yeah. the sort of stuff that makes <laughs> I, I, I chuckle at slapstick stuff, you know, yeah. I'll lie there in bed laughing. My wife will be, what are you? and I'll say, oh, you have to watch this. There was a dog in a, in a puddle of mud, you know, or whatever. <laughs> but, but before you know, you spent an, hour doing this <laughs> just look at and, yeah. and so and then, and then you're thinking why am i struggling to get up and pray this morning so we live in a world of distraction where the average person spends 150 minutes a day on social media hmm. according to studies 150 yeah. minutes a day but to read your bible in one year would take you 15 minutes a day hmm. so one tenth of that 
and you could read your Bible in a year. And I, I just think sometimes we allow, we've allowed culture to dictate to us. Mm. Paul says, therefore, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Mm. And we all think, you know, drinking, drugs, smoking. Yeah, all those are wrong. But mm. the culture of this world is this kind of like consumeristic, yep. constantly switched on, social media persistent and heavy world that we get sucked into. Mm. And that culture is consuming us. Mm. And if we're, so we have to learn to stop consuming that and start consuming the right things. So, mm. yeah. And, it, and the other thing for me, Joshua, is we, we need to learn the art of perseverance in a culture of immediacy. Mm. It's, it's so important. The mm. art of perseverance in a culture of immediacy. Yeah. And I think we live in a world as well where we can get everything quickly. You're in Kansas. I'm here. Yeah. We hooked up. Boom. You know, here we are talking. Yeah. No problem. Super fast. <laughs> You know, I'm on Thursday, I'm flying to Chicago. I'm speaking at a conference Friday. You know, I'll be there. No worries. Nine hours on a plane, read yeah. a book, have a cup of tea. And before you know it, you're there. You know, so we live in a very immediate wow. world. Yeah. If, I want, if I need some new hair product, I <laughs> my wonderful gray hair, I you, know, I, you know, I'm on Amazon and it's there the next day. You yeah. know, and so, and so we have this immediate culture, but... But actually, we're called mm. to be a people who persevere, who mm. pray without ceasing, who don't give up. And I think we we could do a learning a bit of that as well, so that we mm. don't burn out. My it's interesting, you know, when uh, my mother died, my one my elder my eldest brother struggled with his faith as well, yeah. and uh, eventually he came back to the Lord after about thirty one years mm. of walking away. Mm. And I, I said to my dad, "Isn't it good that my brother's come back to the Lord?" And my dad said, "You know what? I prayed for him." every single day mm. now i stand yeah. in conferences talking to people who are younger than 30 and say my dad prayed every day that mm. you have been alive and he didn't see one single change but he persevered mm. he persevered and so we have to learn to persevere when yeah. we were in ibifa we wanted to reach out to the west african ladies who work as prostitutes there yeah. and they wouldn't talk to us they just wouldn't talk to us. And we spent five years praying. Mm. And then one night we were in a meeting. Actually, there were some guys from uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma mm. with us, but we were with some guys in a, in a, in a meeting and 12 prostitutes just walked in. Mm. And, and, and I remember looking at my wife and she was quite emotional and I was quite emotional. Mm. And, you know, we, we were like, Oh, you know, and I said to her after this, what were you thinking? And she said, I was thinking that was worth five years of my life for that one moment. Wow. And so we have to learn the art of perseverance in the culture yeah. of immediacy. We give up too quickly. Mm, that's so good. Let's not give up. Mm. Uh, a couple of questions I have here. One, if you could go back to your 21-year-old self, what advice would you give? Uh, <laughs> lots. <laughs> lots of advice. <laughs> you know. I don't know whether my 21 self would, uh, I would, my 21, if I could go back to my 21 year old self, said, listen to people, Brian, don't think you know it all would probably mm. be it. But I, I, I really though, interesting, Joshua, the, the reason for writing the book was thinking I've got two sons in their twenties. Mm. And I thought, yeah. what would I give them that would help sustain them for the next 30 years of their faith? Mm. And so that was for me, I, I, I would probably go back and say, Brian, build in a daily discipline of prayer. I did. Mm. But it kind of was incremental. It yeah. grew. But I, w I wish I'd have built some of that stuff in sooner, mm. you know, and, and put some of the places. So build in a daily devotional life. This mm. is what I'd say to 21-year-old Brian, if he listened to me. <laughs> build in a devotional life and ground yourself in a local community. Mm. If you do that, 
there's adventures to be had in faith that will, that are unbelievable. Mm. You know, unbelievable. But there's contentment and peace to be had in that that is also mm. unbelievable. So for me, it would be all about develop a rhythm of devotional practices mm. and ground yourself in a local community because that, that's the only way you will survive this. Mm. Anything you've been reading or watching lately you could recommend? Well, yeah, I, I read quite a lot. I love books. What have I been reading? I've, been, I've got them all here next to me. This is a great <laughs> book, by the way. This is an old classic. It's called Sub, Submerge yeah. by John B. Hayes. I, I, it's been around a while, but someone's mentioned it to me recently. It's about mission and it's about, you know, really engaging in mission. It's actually, Pete, my friend Pete Gregg has written, you know, some good stuff on that. But <laughs> I, I love that. And then what else? I, actually, they're just sitting here. So they're, they're only here because... Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I, I love Spaces for the Sacred hmm. is an interesting book about, you know, place, memory and identity and how like how space plays, you know, you know, into our yeah. faith. So for me, who runs prayer rooms and stuff like that, it's interesting to, to think about, hmm. you know, is does God inhabit a space? You know, when we say this is the house of prayer. Is it, aren't we the house of prayer? Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm loving all of that. And then my, I've got two more, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah that's great. So I'm really, I've looked, the Prophetic Imagination by Brueggemann. I've just yeah. gone back to that. That's a really helpful, enjoyable book. And you probably won't read a lot of this in America, but this is called The Story of English, How an Obscure Dialect Became the World's Most Spoken Language. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, that's just, a, I like, I try and mix it up, but most of the time I'm reading kind of Christian books or art books. So mm. that's, yeah, that's where I'm at. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's great. I love those recommendations. So what can you tell us about uh, the book, Be Still, or the video series? Um, and what do you want people to, to really get out of it? The book, Be Still, is, is, is a simple guide to quiet times. It's 14 simple chapters to help people develop a rhythm of a quiet time. It starts off looking at that sense of Adam and Eve walking with God in the garden. And 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 the, originally, if you look at the reflexive con- conjugation of the Hebrew verb, it was like they walked for pleasure, hmm. you know. And so, where, where's where? And so, the basis behind the whole book is where's your garden? Hmm. Find a garden where you can. So, for me, my garden is my chair. I have a chair yeah. I sit in in the morning. So, where's your chair? Find a space. So, 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 and then I then unpack what happens in that chair what happens in that garden you know and mm. how we develop a, a devotional life so that's that's the book really and i we try to make it it's, it's actually quite hard to write a simple guide because you always want to be yeah. quoting Bonhoeffer and yeah. prove, prove to all your friends that you're quite intelligent, really. But you, you want to keep it simple. So yeah. we, we generally wanted a nice, simple guide. But we look at things like fasting, memorizing scripture, at thankfulness, at practicing wonder, at gratitude. Mm. That is thankfulness. Sorry. You know, all, all that kind of admission, you know, seasons of life, how that your quiet time goes through different seasons. When you have children, you can't get up and sit for an hour in the morning you know all of that kind of stuff so so the book is really just a a a simple you know guide to that and the series is a five week small group series where we look at the book i do a little presentation a little talk and then there's a there's a small group on this on the on the screen who unpack it mm-hmm. and then there's a few questions afterwards and we have provided like a, a from 247prayer.com yeah. there is a uh, a cheat sheet that says here some good questions to talk about and all so you can download the kind of the the the, the study guide to go with the 
And it's a five week program that any church small group could mm. do or an individual could do or any group of people could do. And it's really just a, all about helping people develop a rhythm and a, and a quiet time. Mm. That's great. Uh, where can uh, can people connect with you or 24-7 Prayer? 247prayer.com is our website. People connect with me on Insta at Brian Heasley, which is, yeah. I've left Facebook behind, man. I've just not had enough of it. It drives me bananas. Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm only, and I don't really lo- look at Twitter because it's too aggressive. Yeah. So, I, I, because I, I because I love art, I'm like, I'm on Instagram. So, yeah, Brian Heasley, <laughs> that's me on Insta. But, uh, yeah, that's where you can connect with me, no worries. But the 247prayer.com, have a look at what we're doing. Have, have a look at, you know, the different, we lots of resources on there to help people pray, help people pray. How do I pray for an hour? How do I pray for you, how do I pray in crisis? You know, lots of different resources, some stuff by Pete Gregg. You know, we have a thing called the prayer course and another one called the unanswered prayer course. Yeah. So we've got lots of resources on there to really help the bride of Christ engage mm-hmm. deeply in prayer. So check that out. Yeah, that's good. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, I'd highly recommend Lectio 365. My wife and mm-hmm. I use that every day. And then Lectio for Families as well has been fantastic with my almost five-year-old um, and Amazing. getting into that. And so that's Lectio, been really helpful too. Lectio for Families is a new one, but it's really taking off. So we're, yeah. we're really excited. But Lectio 365... We, we get we honestly there is not a day goes by where we don't get an email from someone saying this has been blessing me and helping me develop a rhythm of prayer and bible meditation mm. so yeah yeah thank you. that's beautiful well brian thank you so much it was a it was a pleasure to talk to you it was uh it was a lot of fun uh thank you, to do this sir. so thank you so much i hope i haven't waffled on too much <laughs> no it was fantastic it was good Brilliant. bless you thanks for having me thanks Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to see more episodes like this, go to patreon.com slash shifting culture and become a monthly patron of the show. You can help us produce more episodes so that we can see the body of Christ look more like Jesus. If you become a patron on patreon.com slash shifting culture, uh, you will get early access to episodes. You will get episode guides. You will get bonus shows, hopefully, and more. So go to patreon.com slash shifting culture and become a monthly patron. Also leave a rating and review on Apple podcasts. Uh, It really helps us out and helps us find new listeners to the show and just go and share this podcast with your friends, your family, your network, people that you think would enjoy it as well. Thank you again for listening to the show. I hope you have a great week.